is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Saturday nights, Channel 5. Saturday nights, Channel 5. (laughs) Ho, ho, ho. Welcome to... Uh, episode, what are we on? 144 of We Are Going Up. I'm Mark Crossy. David Cameron Walker is alongside me. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Are you in the festive spirit yet? Um, How many Christmas meals have you had this week? Quite a lot from the very had, brief I've chat had we couple. had on our way to the studio. I've had a couple. And I'm starting to think that maybe the amount of hangovers I'm having and the amount of money I'm spending, actually, maybe this isn't the most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> really? After all. Okay. Yeah. Right. Well, we're going to start the show with something I know a lot of people will be uh, excited about and waiting for. Let me try and get this drum rolling. Should have done this first. Here we go. Right. So, last week, thanks to the lovely people at Sports Interactive, we've got to give away three copies of Football Manager... 2015. Now, can you remember the question you asked? Yeah, top it of your was head. How many managers currently managing in the championship played for the team that they are currently in charge of? And what was the answer? Six. It was six, yeah. <laughs> uh, so the six correct answers were Neil Adams at Norwich, Eddie Howe at Bournemouth, Steve McLaren at Derby, Stuart Pearce at Nottingham Forest, Gary Rowett at Birmingham, and Kit Simons at Fulham. All the correct entrants are in that plastic cup there, held up in little pieces of paper. We'd like to draw out three winners for us, please. Yes. Okay, dokie. Winner number one is Zach Bridges. Well done, Zach. Copy of FM 2015 to you. Right, next one. Gonna fold this. Who is it? This one is Joe Bentley. Joe Bentley, well done, Joe. You've won a copy of Football Manager 2015 and the last final winner. One out of the hat. Here we go. It is Daniel Griffiths. In Oz. In Oz? In Australia. Or the O2. In Australia. (laughs) So that means you're going to have to post that all the way out to Australia. Is that all right with you? Uh, I think it's just via download. Okay. Oh, is it? Oh, no. That's a real shame. Anyway, well done to all our winners. You've won a copy of Football Manager 2015. Uh, we'll be in touch on the email uh, to sort it out. Coming up on the show this week, then, uh, we're going to be talking about Reading sacking Nigel Adkins, uh, Hartlepool late in the main managerial changes as well. Two of the most contrasting away days ever to discuss your trip to Fulham mm. and my trip to Oxford. More on that later. It was bleak. That's all I'll say right now. And uh, it's Christmas book season. We've been the run up to Christmas, so over a week and a bit to go. We're going to be joined on the phone by a man we've been trying to get on this show for a very long time, Mr. Adam Hurry, who is. Uh, Mr. Football Clichés on Twitter. He's written his first ever book. It's called Football Clichés, a speculative effort from distance to translate the language of football. Uh, So we will speak to Adam later. Looking forward to that. Uh, But we're going to start with the news that broke late on Sunday evening. Uh, The story being that a TV deal is going to be announced at some point soon between the Football League and Channel 5, which will see them take the rights from the BBC for Football League highlights. The BBC have hosted the Football League show since 2009. Channel 5 will supposedly move into a primetime Saturday night slot weekly at 9pm beginning next season uh, it hasn't been confirmed yet but we think it's going to happen uh, your views on this and there's been plenty of them in a few minutes uh, particularly on Clem I have to say but first we're going to start with a man who broke the story Alan Biggs will be a familiar voice to those of you who followed football on the radio for decades now he's the author of Confessions of a Football Reporter an excellent book which I own myself by the way uh, also editor of youaretheref.com and he's a reporter for Sky and Talk Sport and he broke this story in The Express and he's on the line right now Alan, thank you very much for coming on the show. Firstly, just give us a little bit of background to this deal. Tell us how this has all come about and why the rights are going to be moving away from the BBC. 
Well, essentially, my information is that what drove this is that league chairman and executives at the top of the Football League decided that they wanted to go down, quotes, a different, end quote, route, that they wanted to get away from the traditional uh, highlights package. And it's become rather a fixture on the BBC, but the downside has always been the late timing that highlights go out. That was counteracted by the fact that the BBC, I think from the beginning of this season, uh, had a new show on Sunday morning at a civilised time, not too early on Sunday morning either, when the highlights were going out then. But there was a mood among chairmen that they wanted to see Football League uh, highlights going out in a package, in a, in a proper 90-minute show, this will be, earlier in the evening. So that 9 p.m. slot was the, was the clincher. It's an issue that gets quite a lot of reaction, both positive and negative, from, from fans of clubs on Twitter. You know, it's always... People always want to see, if you're a fan of a League Two club, you want to see more of that. You want to see more of your club. Mm. You, and, and perhaps sometimes the realities of a broadcasting and TV show aren't always taken into account by, by the layman. But, I mean, what do, you, do you think it will be a good thing if this was to move to, to Channel 5 and an earlier slot, a prime time 9pm slot? I mean, is that broadly speaking a good thing for the Football League, do you reckon? Well, I do, uh, for the simple reason that um, it's, it's become an atmosphere of the Premier League being the be-all and end-all of football, and the media helps perpetuate that with the saturation coverage of the Premier League. And I think that the 72, who are, let's face it, the majority in the professional football game, feel isolated, disenfranchised, certainly the supporters of many clubs. I mean, there are some very big clubs in the Championship uh, who... It will not read anything uh, about their club uh, routinely in the national press from Monday to Friday. Uh, you could go virtually a whole week, I'm sure, without reading anything about, shall we say, Sheffield Wednesday or Leeds United or Nottingham Forest. And these are big clubs in, in their own right, bigger than some of those in the Premier League. And so I, I feel that there was a mood uh, among chairmen and clubs that they wanted to get themselves back into a more prominent position in the shop window. So you've got a peak time slot uh, on Saturday evening. Where the balance is, is quite tricky is in those households, and I'm one of them, where the lady of the house wants to watch <laughs> X Factor. Strictly. <laughs> or yeah. Britain's Got Talent yeah. or Strictly at that time. So... We're really looking for... They don't want to watch uh, the goals from Dagenham against Tranmere in League Two at that time. Is that what you're telling me? I, 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 you know I'd find that a hard sell with Mrs Biggs. I do <laughs> not think she'd be tempted by that. So you're really looking at people having two or three TVs in the house and people, uh, in this, this case the man of the house, retreating. I, I always retreat from those programmes anyway. But I shall go to another room and I shall watch Channel 5 at 9 o'clock. And it, it beats match of the day onto the airwaves. Now, I know that Sky have all the goals earlier, but they go in in a kind of blur, don't they? Yeah. Uh, it's goals in isolation. Goals Express. This will be uh, a rounded highlight show. I gather uh, that the Football League have exacted promises that League One and League Two will be treated fairly. But I think with this kind of show, you're never going to please no. everybody. You're always going to get complaints. It's the nature of the beast. And some people on Twitter today have said to me, well, uh, yeah, I wish it had stayed with the BBC. I can't stand adverts and breaks. Uh, that's the reality of a, of a commercial station. And I personally think the BBC did it well. 
but this is something new, and it, it, it really is something new. 9 p.m. on a Saturday evening, I'm, I'm led to believe there were three bidders at the table uh, for these rights. One of them was the BBC. Uh, I don't know who the other one was apart from Channel 5. I, I'm guessing it might have been ITV. I'm told that all three bids in financial terms were very, very similar, that you couldn't separate them financially. But that this 9 p.m. showcase on a Saturday evening was the swaying factor. One thing probably a lot of fans listening to this will want to know is, is the show actually going to be that much different on Channel 5? Because it's an IMG uh, production Mm. from what I gather at the the minute for the BBC. Do you actually think, um, and obviously given you've worked in broadcasting a long time, the sort of uh, challenges of turning around all the action and all the goals in just four hours from five till nine, do you actually think it's going to be that much different? Well, I think I'm guessing. I'm guessing that Channel Five executives will feel that it has to be different, that it has to have a trademark of its own, uh, and that it can't just be, you know, the Football League show Mark Two, and just happens to be on a commercial uh, network rather than on the BBC. So, I, I would imagine that the job that IMG does for BBC, that role the major production role will go out to tender and there'll probably be quite a lot of production companies seriously interested in that. And you're quite right that the flavour of the new show will depend on whether or not it's IMG. Uh, if it is, and that, which is why I suspect that it might not be them uh, because they would effectively be producing the same kind of package in the same kind of way. But who knows? Um, but it does have to be a little bit different. It probably will have to uh, introduce some some new names, maybe some presenters and commentators that we that we barely have heard of. Uh, there's always a breakthrough for somebody when when this kind of thing happens. Plus, the old guard will be queuing up, knocking on doors, and making phone calls and sending emails uh, about the possibility of any work for them. Uh, I think I might make one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I might make one of those phone calls myself. Uh, but I have to admit, I don't really know who runs sport on, uh, on on Channel Five. So we're going into the realms of the unknown here, and the football league are taking a bit of a gamble—not a financial gamble as such. But it's not just about that, is it? It's about the way that that broadcaster markets your product, the way they project it. And I don't want to get too sort of technical, but I think it's worth maybe you giving us a little bit of insight into into you know the, the listeners out there who you know have no experience of working in the media. There are the criticisms that you get of like why don't we have more highlights on each game? You know why isn't the cameras in HD? Why why is this that and the other not how I want it to be? What are some of the challenges of producing a program? You know, in quite a small number of hours from, you know, turning it around from full time whistles at five o'clock to getting this out on national TV by nine, ten o'clock. Well, I've never actually worked in that side of the operation. I've always been at the ground broadcasting, but I do know people who uh, have been involved in that. And they they spend uh, a long time at uh, the IMG studios a whole day seeing the films come in and then preparing uh, voiceovers. And it's quite a complex business because each broadcaster will probably have, you know, half a dozen to to, to a dozen games to voice over. And of course, you've got to watch the action several times in order to identify players involved in moves. So none of this is very easy and it has to be turned around very, very quickly. Um, The question is, will they do it in the same way? Will they package it up? Because at the moment, it's a six, to eight games in one 
package uh, of a wrap of matches, and then there's a little bit of analysis from the presenters and, and pundits, and then on to a completion of that division. Will they do it in that way, uh, or will they prefer to, in Leagues 1 and 2, for instance, will there be main matches in League 1 and League 2? That's a question I'd like to pose here. I think that would be a very good way forward, actually, and, and, and put a different stamp on it. At the moment, we're accustomed to having a main match or two main matches from the championship. Uh, what about having main matches from, from the lower leagues and then build everything else around that? I think that's possibly a, a consideration here. Certainly, the fans of League One and League Two clubs do feel left out. Especially on uh, sort of international weekends yes. when the show doesn't even seem to be on the air a lot of time. I'm not sure whether that's a contractual thing. I presume it is. Um, I wonder if that will be changed as well. Yeah, I think that's a really good, uh, really good uh, thought. It's not, I cannot answer that. But uh, I, I would think it would be a very, very good move for Channel 5 to commit uh, to having a programme on those weekends. And, and that then gives more fairness, doesn't it? Because it means that those clubs lower down who have a walk-on part suddenly are centre stage. Um, and I, I think that would be a good thing for the TV channel and for the, and for the game, if that was the case. Alan, just finally, tell us a little bit about uh, the work you do with You Are The Ref. Now, most people will be mm. familiar with that name from the long-running uh, cartoon series in The Guardian, in the newspapers. But um, I've been watching some of the videos you do online with the referees, and I, they're really interesting. Thank you very much. I'm glad. Uh, you know, it's hard work to, to start off with anything, isn't it? Uh, you try and make an impact and make inroads, and it's something very new. Uh, it, it, it came together um, through... Some ex-referees, one of them being Keith Hackett, and a friendship that he has with a guy called Jock War, who was never a Premier League referee, but he was a Football League referee. Jock War also happens to be a businessman. He's made some money from his various business enterprises, and he saw a gap in the media market, a vacuum, which was comment around referees, because... The Premier League very rarely make any public comment about referees. The professional game match officials limited who run uh, professional referees rarely allow any of them to speak. Uh, there's a feeling that they try to suppress debate about refereeing issues. It's certainly not encouraged. Uh, and we felt that there was an area here where it's routine now and we're accustomed to ex-managers commenting and often severely criticising current managers and ex-players being pundits who very objectively view current players. So why aren't ex-referees doing the same with current referees? Now, there are one or two like Dermot Gallagher uh, who are within the system of PGMOL, whose comments are quite sanitized, really. There are one or two other uh, ex-referees out there who do offer objective and sometimes quite cutting views. But as a collective, we feel we're unique because we have uh, Keith Hackett, we have uh, Mark Halsey, we have Rob Harris, we have Roger Dilks, we have a former World Cup uh, assistant referee in Glenn Turner. So we've really got a pool of great expertise uh, on refereeing matters. And these guys, although their pals have been pals over the years with some current officials, are extremely objective. And they will tell it as it is. If somebody's made a mistake, they'll say so. Uh, they're not there 
to rally round former colleagues and to pat them on the back and to uh, defend them uh, regardless. They are fully objective. Now, people in the game might think that this is a group of old guys who've got an axe to grind, who are out there saying, oh, it's not as good as it was in my day. Well, that's not the case because they all would like to see a higher standard of performance than we're seeing at the moment. We're also trying to get people within the game and personalities generally just to sit down for 15 or 20 minutes, cup of tea, and to discuss their feelings about referees. And I'm glad to say that Gus Poyet was prepared to do that with me just the other week. Uh, Graham Taylor, I spent a very enjoyable 35 minutes with him. And various various others, uh, Kevin Davis as well, was, was, was a great uh, interviewee. Uh, and I'm interviewing just later this week, David Blunkett, uh, a famous politician who's a Sheffield Wednesday supporter. So we're trying to get out of the area that it's refereeing is boring. Mm. Refereeing is actually part of the game without which we, you know, we, there would not be a game. So we're trying to say, look, this is a very, very interesting area that's been neglected. And we're, we're trying to educate and entertain at the same time. Good stuff. Where can people view these, Alan? Is it just on YouTube? Uh, you are the ref.com. You are the ref.com. Yeah. You hyphen R hyphen the hyphen ref.com. <laughs> uh, it's all there. And the, 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 the interviews go on YouTube as well uh, and various other outlets. So, uh, you know, do, do have a, a view and a, a listen to us and look at the website for all manner of articles. Brilliant. Alan, thank you very much for coming on the show and joining us. Not we really appreciate it. That. Merry Christmas. Cheers, Alan. And that is Alan Biggs, who's the author of Confessions of a Football Reporter, editor of viewoftheref.com and reports for Sky and Talk Sport. Next, we're going to read out some of your tweets on the Football League show and Channel 5. The We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. So, as we mentioned, a lot of you getting in touch with your opinion on this supposed move from the BBC to Channel 5 for Football League highlights. Um, I'm going to sort of uh, intersperse this discussion uh, with a few of them. Uh, we'll start with a couple. Uh, Gabriel Sutton, the Football League show is OK. I wanted League 1 and 2 to be shown on international weekends. Unfortunately, not enough people would have watched. Joe Fares, the Football League show is too half-hearted, illustrated by the time slot analysis and the fact it was not on when League 1 and League 2 were in action. Chris Ledger, it gradually improved. The early editions were dreadful, but trying to do too much with the format was its main failing. Studio analysis meant it dragged on. It would have worked better as a no-frills 60-minute show a la ITV's Football League Extra. So, DC, what do you reckon is going to happen to the new show? What do people want from a Football League highlight show? Do they just want the goals? Do they actually want analysis? Well, opinion seems to be fairly split, doesn't it, between some people who, as you just said, want your your no-frills, just give me the goals and nothing else, whereas other people want a bit more. And I think you kind of do need to find some sort of happy medium. And as Alan said earlier on... (laughs) The temptation is always, and you can understand where they're coming from when they do this, but it's the execution that sometimes isn't always isn't always spot on. It's the, the temptation is always to do something new, just for the sometimes for the sake of being new. And I, you know, when you look at say like BT's start of their football coverage last season, you know they were, you know, we, how can we make this definitively ours as opposed to what you see on Sky? And they decided to put the bloody score. <laughs> in a different position of the screen like stupid things like that leave that alone like 
concentrate on your content. Yes. That's the most important thing, you know, that about about any programming is what is the content, you know, what is the actual meat of the of the package that you're going to give to me? And that's the most important thing. You well, know, do they, you remember the thing when the Football League show started? They had Lizzie Greenwood-Hughes reading the text and emails. Mm. That's a perfect example. Yeah. And you can see that with it moving to Channel 5, something like that they might try to do to make, oh, we've got to make this interactive. Yeah. Hashtags. Exactly, yeah. And there are ways to do it. I mean, ultimately, it just requires really good people to be working on it and for them to put the time and effort in. And I think an important point to make when you're talking critically about media coverage in football, and I'm, 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 we've got to be careful here that we don't... Yeah, well, we should do disclaimer. Absolutely. We'll, we'll, we're, we're as guilty of, of, course, of this as of course a lot of people. Absolutely. Especially the difficulty of trying to do 72 teams in, it's a, hard. in a show where we've also about an hour. But it's hard to get it all in and, and, and treat everyone fairly. It's, but impo- it's impossible, really. Yeah. But the point about you know TV in particular, it's become so popular today to jump on every single possible floor from Alan Shearer to Steve Claridge to whoever it may be, and you know have a go at them for not being you know as detailed as as Gary Neville for example. And Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher and Ed Chamberlain, the work they do on Monday Night Football has really has set the bar really high for football coverage. But it's almost created an, un, you know, an unfair sort of playing field to some of the other guys in other shows when people all of a sudden expect Match of the Day in the Football League show to be of the same quality. I mean, there's been a number of pieces, really good pieces, written by newspapers like having it, spending a day with Gary Neville and, and the Sky team. And the amount of work that goes into that show, you know, the amount of money they've got for a start and the, the fact that it's on a Monday and they can spend the entire day, Neville and Carragher in at like 8, 9 in the morning and... They're trawling through years and years and years and years of Premier League footage to pick out the best examples and stuff. And they are really, really good, but they've got the time to do it. They've got the money to do it, you know, and they've ultimately they, they've got the, the thing that clinches it always. They are very good at presenting it and the delivery is excellent. But, you know, it's a completely different animal to producing a highlight show on a Saturday night a few hours after the game. So you shouldn't go into it thinking, well, Sky do it like this. Gary Neville does it like this. I want whoever does it on and Channel 5 I mean, to be the same. It's not going to be. You're dealing with completely different animals here. And this, this you know, the, the, the sort of equipment that's used at Premier yeah. League grounds, and like you got, you're not going to be taking that to Dagnall. Well, exactly, and, and I think, I think like one of the tweets Wimbledon. you read to me earlier on was saying, why can't there be HD cameras? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I'm sure that they'd love to have HD cameras at Wadden Road. That was or, uh, Scott Grayson, or, by the way. Yeah, that. you know, or any of the League Two grounds or wherever. But, you know, there's, there's facilities issues, you know, there's, there's mm. costs, you know, who's yeah. paying for this? Exactly. And, and, one thing, I suppose as well, moving to the BBC, a very well-resourced organisation. I know it's sort of externally produced, so yeah, it's not it's not an in-house production. But you're moving it to to Channel Five. There are going to be other pressures that come with this now as well. Well, nine o'clock Saturday night, yeah. commercial pressures as well. Exactly. Um, I mean, the BBC, to a certain point. Should well certainly shouldn't be that bothered about ratings, really. No. They have to obviously have to justify that it's a public service, well, which it, which it undoubtedly is. But if you know it's not getting millions and millions and millions of people watching it every week, well that shouldn't matter if you're serving a particular section of the country. And I think that one, Channel Five, different story. Yeah. If this thing goes on for a year and no one's watching it after a year, well advertisers aren't going to be happy, and you know they're going to be in trouble. And one of the things that I'm sure I'm not speaking myself, just myself, I, I tend to watch the football league show online. Yeah, I'm not usually sort. And even more so at 9 pm on a Saturday, you might be out or whatever. So it's, you know, at least with the BBC, I play, you know, what a great. Well, I struggle as much as it is to watch watch it live. BBC Sport. I don't think I've watched it live 
all season yeah. really so 9pm I've got no chance yeah. but, um, I mean, but obviously the BBC online facilities are great but then you've got YouTube channels now and yeah so well this stuff. is a point I was making to you earlier on before we did this and it will be on demand 5 I believe by the way well, this, this well, does of course happen. it has to be I mean everything has to be on demand these days if you're not then you're nowhere but the, the amount of I mean I'm pretty sure every club does it I, I've, I've watched a few highlights here and there of various clubs and preparing for, for shows that we do but certainly watch the Watford always watch the Watford highlights every week on our YouTube channel and you know so many football league clubs particularly the ones of you know higher up the pyramid with slightly more resources and bigger teams are producing their own content their own very good content at that as well in some examples you know on social media on YouTube you know for stuff at grounds that goes on big screens before games and stuff and programs it's, you know some really good people working at football clubs and producing some really good content because they can get direct access to the players they've got good relationships and they're trusted so I wonder whether maybe a route that Channel 5 could go down would be to work more closely with clubs and I'm not we'll get into Clem in a minute but just <laughs> this isn't a criticism of him at, at this point instead of maybe having in that role of the reporter goes to a ground to get a bit of insight and a bit of you know humanisation which is which is definitely what they should do why don't they go to different clubs and you know work, work, let the whoever is the sort of host of each club's kind of in-house show present a section each week. Hmm. Well, do you remember the section they used to do when it started where he would go explore like the potted history hmm. of each club and uh, to begin with the first couple of seasons that seems to have been quietly dropped. Why do so many people... Well, you know, yeah, let me, let me read some, some of these, Jay. Uh, Stu, I won't lose sleep over never seeing Clem clinging on to players in the tunnel like he was the best man at their wedding. Uh, Ashley Nixon, uh, I want a feature game from each division on the new show, no Clem. In fact, mainly no Clem. Uh, Michael Whitehead, less Clem. So yeah, there's there's not much love for Clem. I don't know. I think he's just omnipresent, isn't he? And he's sort of seen as the voice. I mean, yeah, there are times... To be honest, mate, I said this to you earlier. He works at BT Sport as well. He's freelance. If this goes to Channel 5, sorry everyone, but Clem's going to Channel 5 to work on this show. There's no way he's not going to be on it well it'd be, it'd be interesting if it's a big call I suppose in, in a way if they, they don't go for him but uh, I mean there are there's been moments where I've watched it and I've watched his pieces and I've rolled my eyes and some of it works some of it doesn't but I suppose you other factors you've just got to consider other factors as well is it you know how much is it completely him scripting these things and coming up with the ideas is he being told look we want you to go and do something a bit funny a bit light hearted and there's got to be room for that you don't always pull it off I mean and it's also is the manager that he's talking to playing ball is mm. it the right sort of thing yeah so some of them doesn't work some of it some of it's okay I think he gets a bit of unfair criticism sometimes but the, the best moments in his in his pieces and any other people that try and do that sort of things it's sort of sometimes it's worth the crap puns and the slightly hokey mannerisms that he has with some of the players like when he was going about Troy Deeney's nan at the weekend sometimes it's worth those moments for getting those little insights into when he does get the chance to sit down in a manager's office before or after a game and you do get that little bit of human interaction where you suddenly see a different side to a to a to a manager or player that you wouldn't normally see in front of the cameras, and that that's for me is always the most powerful stuff that you can get when you're dealing with with football and the media is trying to really get to the heart of the matter and to show you what those people are like as humans and not just as sort of brainless footballers, which is what we all think they are. James Wellham, easy to criticise the Football League show, but it was okay. Whisper it quietly, but I don't mind the Mark Clement sections. There you go. So we, you can see that a sort of opinion is mixed on on this. And one thing sort of long-time listeners of this podcast might remember is that when we started three years ago, we we tried to cover everything, didn't we? In each show, we were trying to run down every single game. And, uh, you know, you get into a trap where you you can't possibly comment on every single game. So I do appreciate that doing analysis 
can be quite difficult on the football league, especially for you know. I mean, it does take a lot of effort for these for these mm. pundits to. I mean, they're being paid to do it, which obviously we're not. And then, but to go down to the bottom of the you know League Two or whatever and try and, and research. And, these and then teams. you've got that 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 issue, and it's the same problem we have: is that Tranmere fans are always going to be interested in in watching Tranmere. Leeds United fans are always going to be interested in watching Leeds United, which is one of the big reasons why they're on so many times at 12.15. Yeah. <laughs> there are big Every clubs, week. there are small clubs in the Football League. And it's trying to assess the level of sort of across-the-board interest. How many, how much interest do fans of other clubs have of teams that aren't aren't their own? Yeah, one thing I was going to mention was the fact that, you know, that's why a Leeds United podcast or a Nottingham Forest podcast will probably have more listeners than a podcast like this because we're trying to cover the whole Football League. But I think the fact that we're still doing this and, you know, the, the sort of people who get in touch with us and, and contribute shows that there are a lot of, of people do, out, there are wanna, a lot of people yeah. out there who care about the football of league as a do, whole because you're a fan of your club and, and you like to learn about your club plays all the other clubs from in se- in season in season out and you want to learn about the opposition and oh, generally we're fans of football as well and I think I think a lot of football league fans in particular obviously have an appreciation and there's a bit of a solidarity and it's a bit like oh and this this comment really this phrase really annoys me I think it's a bit patronizing sometimes oh, this is real football for real fans. Like, well, that's nonsense. But, I mean, I, I get where the, where it was born from, but I think it's been taken out, of you know, taken to, to extremity. But trying to put my mind in and out of a TV executive, they're obviously going to want as many people to watch this as possible from a commercial point of view. And it's how much can we make the Football League appeal to that casual fan who likes the Premier League, watches a bit of football, but probably would turn their nose up initially at the thought of watching football outside the Premier League, let alone, you know, just championship, let alone League Two. And it's trying to make it, you know, showcase what it is. And it's not all kick and rush. Also, there are some really good games, some really entertaining, exciting football. There's great stories. I think that's what they've got to try and do is pull out the great stories that, that there are and make them, you know, show them for what they are. Just they can be as interesting as that in the Premier League. Right. Well, we're interested to know your opinions at Wagyu Podcast. Get involved in the debate on Twitter. So that's at Wagyu Podcast or you can get in touch via the website wearegoingup.co.uk. Are you ready to speak to a special guest? Yes, please. Let's do yeah, that yeah. next. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. So there are nine days to go until Christmas. Um, all the books are out. You done all your shopping yet? I haven't done any of it. Okay. All right. Well, one book you might want to get uh, this Christmas um, is the... Uh, Adam, is it your first book? It is indeed. Yeah. It is your first book. Is uh, Adam Harry's uh, new book, which is called Football Clichés, a speculative effort from distance to translate the language of football. Uh, regular listeners will know we're very much fascinated by the language of football and we've been known to spout the odd cliche or two. Um, and Adam does run the brilliant uh, at Football Clichés Twitter account and website. I'm sure you've all seen it. Adam, thank you very much for coming on the show. Um, this, is, this has grown into quite a big project, hasn't it, um, over the last few years? How did this all come about, this obsession uh, with the language of football? Uh, I, think, I think it was just sort of a long-lost dream of wanting to become a football commentator as a kid. Uh, far too many goals videos in the cupboard as well. And uh, yeah, I think just after a while, I just started to wonder, why the hell do they say these very, very strange things? You know, there's some very odd phrases and words that get used in football that, that seemingly have no real kind of place there. And, uh, and it's all, all these sorts of things. And, it, and then it, it grew to the point where, you know, I wasn't just looking at words and phrases, I was looking at kind of mannerisms and, uh, and the sort of behaviours of footballers uh, that they do almost mindlessly. I'm not saying it's stupid, I'm just saying that they do it without even thinking. 
And uh, it all got to the point where I thought, well, this might be worth sticking down somewhere. So I uh, put it all together and then eventually someone was stupid enough to give me uh, a book deal. Do you ever, I, I often wonder this, Adam, because you're a massive fan of all the stuff that you've done on Twitter. And, and um, you know, I have similar sort of views myself about about the, the language that's used in the game. And I'm, as yeah. Mark said, I'm prone to it as anyone from time to time. But I wonder, do you have to take extra special care uh, as you kind of, you know, become a little bit more established, you're writing for the Telegraph and stuff. Do you have to watch yourself and make sure, because it's, it's sometimes it's really hard to avoid falling into those traps of saying the same old things. Well, um, I think I I tried to make this kind of clear at the, uh, in the first chapter of the book, really, which I thought was quite important, is that although the word cliche has has quite a negative connotation it, it kind of implies uh, a lack of originality in thought cliches exist for a reason in, in any walk of life mm. not just football but they exist for a reason because there's there's you know all sorts of scenarios that can only be explained in one way or 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 or, or better way of explaining it is that a cliche simply sums up a situation better than anything else can so in many cases and particularly football where you have a situation where there's so much coverage and only so much they can talk about then you have to have these set phrases and, and, and set ways of describing certain passages of play. Or, or it would just be very difficult to explain. So I certainly don't try and avoid them. I think, I think many cliches are absolutely brilliant because they, they sum up some things up better than anything else can. There are, there are some nonsensical ones, of course, and, <laughs> and they're always worthy of ridicule. But I think on the whole, it, it's not something you should, be, you should avoid. It's not something anybody's particularly guilty of, uh, necessarily. You can... You can, you can Use cliches too much, of course, but I think most of the time it's there. It's there to fill gaps. It's um, there is simply not that much more to say. Well, Exhibit A, DC. I know you weren't happy with this from the Football League show on Saturday. And um, there was a package about Sir Elton John and the new stand. <laughs> Do you want to tell us the, the particular phrase? Yeah. Um, well, I watch this with great interest because uh, I, I am a Watford fan myself. Adam, uh, listeners will know that. Yeah. But um, they dis- and this came off the back re- recently after the whole kind of Malky Mackay, Dave Whelan uh, scenario where uh, the, the, world fo- the word football, the term football man or football person was banded oh, right, about yeah. a lot by the usual yeah. suspects. And, and, yeah. uh, and this, uh, you certainly wouldn't put Elton John in the same category as Dave Whelan and Malky Mackay. No. But um, <laughs> he was described several times by Troy Deeney and Clem as being a re- and Steve Claridge uh, as being you know, a real football man. I th- I've, I've I've thought of a lot about this recently in in both contexts. So take the, taking the Malky Mackay situation first, and uh, and Dave Whelan, where they were both described as as, as football men or, or, or genuine football men, and that got me thinking. You know what constitutes a football man? So in in, in that co- in that context, they're talking about essentially a white man, probably quite old, who's been in football for a long time, and apparently that uh, apparently long enough to excuse various. Um, <laughs> Uh, crimes against humanity. Yeah, um, in the Elton John context, it, um, this is a little simpler. Uh, when when they when he when someone has to describe Elton John as a, you know as a real football man, uh, all it's saying is he, he, he's into his football a lot more than you would expect. That's yeah, all it yes. means. And he's uh, and it's it's kind of like a one person equivalent of them saying, "Oh, they love their football around these parts." They're mad about I mean, it. Let's yeah. go. Let's go a step further. Basically, what they're saying is he's into football a lot more than you would expect a gay pop star to be and I they don't so. want to say it really uh, you also I mean I think Elton John's a, a bit of a one off in, in the sense that his public profile and the fact that he you know he's a figure at a football club as well but it's also when players talk about their own 
it's sometimes a bit of a surprise to them that they even care about the football side of things. They see these, they see them as kind of administrators and and, uh, and money men. And then uh, it's a real pleasant surprise to players when chairmen and owners really care about the football side of things. Now, uh, one uh, sort of piece of your work which I particularly enjoy are the diagrams, um, yeah. which uh, feature quite a lot in the book. Um, did you shake your opponent's hand is the one particular one that I like. And also um, <laughs> these sort of huge uh, lists you come up with for, for uh, different types of goals. How much fun yep. are they to put together, and how long um, how long does it take you? Basically, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a pretty exhaustive list you've got in the book. Yeah, I think I pretty much. I, I hope I've covered absolutely every single way of scoring a goal there, because um, that is kind of that that's that's the very first chapter in the book, and it's um, it's kind of football language at its purest. Because if you think about it, it's the most fundamental act of in football. It's, it's putting the ball in the back of the net, and. Um, Howitzer, yeah. Howitzer's one I particularly enjoy. Uh, Ram yeah. blasted, arrowed, smashed, lashed, nodded, guided, audacious lob. It's never just a lob, is it? It's always an audacious lob. Uh, yeah, tow- you've got to get it right. It's audacious <laughs> lob and impudent chip. Or I think it might be the other way around. I've got, I still don't know, actually, thinking about it. Still um, never get this right. Steered, curled, swept, prodded, poked, uh, deflected, uh, bagged, plundered. So yeah, many of these. It's great, isn't it? So, so after all, you know, it's, it's not a mundane language at all. Um, and you know, one thing I wanted to kind of the book wanted to convey as well that it, it isn't a stale language. It, it evolves. It there's new things come, they come and go. There are there are old phrases that kind of go into a kind of like sort of linguistic museum where they just get kind of <laughs> presented as cliches, but they never get said with a serious face. And uh, yeah, it, it's a it's a wonderful set of words and phrases, football, but. Um, and, it, and it's full of stuff that seemingly doesn't belong there. And I think the, the chapter where, where, where I kind of explain, well, try and define all these ways of scoring a goal kind of demonstrates that the best, I think. Um, I, I should give a shout out to the designer, actually, James Edgar, who, uh, who put all the diagrams together, did it miles better than I could even conceive of. So, um, yeah, props to him. Uh, now, Adam, one of the, the, the things that has amused me a lot about uh, your posts on Twitter is your sort of your forlorn search for any footage whatsoever of the uh, Andy Townsend's tactics truck <laughs> from the uh, from the, the ITV Premiership days. Um, yeah, and we, like, yeah. we, we've been talking earlier on about the Football League show potentially moving to Channel Five in the new year, yeah. and this strikes me as a perfect opportunity for them to come up with some wacky idea um, for the new show, <laughs> much in the manner of the. Andy Townsend tactics truck. Have you got any suggestions for them? <laughs> oh God! Well, look, uh, the thing about the tactics truck is, I, I guess it's probably been subject to a kind of sort of um, mythology over time. Mm. I mean, uh, the most frustrating thing for me is that you Google tactics truck, and I say like a Google image search, and anything that comes up is this kind of Microsoft Paint version of a of a rusting truck with tactics truck written on the side in Microsoft Paint. Was it just uh, me, or was Ugo Ekiog always in there as well? It seemed to be in I there a know. lot. I don't was know. He, a lot of people seem to deny that it ever existed. Um, more seasons TV watchers from the mid two thousands also confirmed that it was actually only on for a couple of episodes. Then they kind of binned it, so it wasn't this kind of. They didn't really persist with it for as long as many people think. And uh, it, I, I feel kind of sorry for Andy Townsend. I feel sorry for Andy Townsend in many ways, but um, <laughs> but I feel sorry that he's he's had this kind of thing, kind of. Um, you know, associated with him for so long, but uh, but maybe it's just pure alliteration. Townsend's yeah. tactic truck, poor guy. And, Presum- um, presumably, he was not only in the tactic truck, but also around it. In the, in the, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was kind of like um, Schrodinger's cat of, of, of situation. Is Townsend in? I don't know. Is he dead? Who knows? But um, it wasn't really. I wouldn't say it was a gimmick. I, th- I think it was. It was, if anything, it was a forerunner to what we've got now. Yeah. We've got, 
Neville and Carragher right, spending mate. about three hours before a game in, in what is essentially an extension of the tactics. More like a tactic spaceship. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um, yeah it's a tactic how, starship enterprise. How good is uh, sort of following that you've built on Twitter sort of been? Because when you're watching a game, I imagine there's people sending you stuff all the way through it, uh, little phrases and commentators, sort of things they've said. It's, it's really good fun because, I mean, it's great when we spot things during the game that we might not have done sort of five, five, ten years ago because the way I see it is that football coverage is... is well, you, you, can, you can watch football pretty much every single day of the week now, and it's it's up there to be scrutinised as as a, as a kind of a media art form almost. They, they, you know, they're, they're all doing their football coverage a certain way. Every single channel has its own kind of format, and in many ways, it's kind of just it's just very repetitive, and it, it's repetitive because they know they can get away with it. So I'm not really trying to catch anyone out, and I'm not really trying to ridicule anybody in, in, in the media or football media, especially on TV, because it's a very difficult job. But there are so many things that they do almost without thinking that I think are, are worth spotting. And uh, I really enjoy it when uh, when uh, people join in, definitely. Brilliant. Adam, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, if people, oh, my pleasure. If people want to get the book, uh, just a reminder of what it's called and where they can get it. Pretty much everywhere, I imagine. cliches. I kept the title nice and, nice <laughs> and cryptic. And uh, yeah, it's on Amazon and uh, it's currently number one in the amazing genre of historical and comparative linguistics. So it's flying high in the charts. Uh, that's that's the chart that everyone wants to be top of. So Yeah, exactly. It's above certain books like uh, GCSE English. Um, you haven't done an audio book version, have you? <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love to. Um, Let's make that happen. The opportunity we'll speak to, to we'll speak to Audible. We'll sort it. Adam, thanks very much for coming on. Great to talk to you. Thanks very much, guys. Uh, that is uh, Adam Hurry, who is uh, at Football Clichés on Twitter. That's where you can follow him. Uh, more from us in just a second after this. The We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. So let's have a look at what's been going on in the Football League over the last couple of weeks since the last show then. Absolute goals galore in the Championship uh, this weekend. Uh, Bournemouth back top of the table. They beat Cardiff 5-3 on Saturday. Five different goal scorers. Now the uh, the Liverpool game in the Capital One Cup might have already happened by the time you hear this, but it might not have done. And it's on Wednesday this week. And what a time for Bournemouth to play Liverpool. Yeah, Liverpool are... Uh, really in the doldrums can't score a goal for love more money and conceding them by the bucket load and conversely Bournemouth are scoring goals for fun and they've already knocked out a Premier League team mm. in this competition and it, it, this is the the archetypal perfect time to play them it's not going to be easy because no. the, the players are still a step up big step up in quality and it, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe it's the, the game that Liverpool will look at to try and, and try and get themselves a bit of confidence. But whatever, it's a fascinating encounter. It should be a great game. So that's on now. Uh, and what? And what? Just one more thing. What would yeah, yeah. be interesting as well is that uh, Bournemouth did make, oh, I think, almost a full eleven changes. Certainly close to that in the in the previous mm. round, which is something you normally expect maybe a Premier League sides. And I it, don't think they'll be doing the same. Well, this well, one. we'll see though. We will be. We will see because to them. You know they're right at the top of the championship, and that that will have to be their priority, no doubt about it. They've got an opportunity to get promoted this season, and we all know they they don't always come around very often. And Liverpool, on the other hand, might view it as an opportunity to play a strong-ish team. I know they've got another big game at the weekend, but if they play a team with some of the players who you know are towards the stronger end of their squad and maybe looking for that bit of confidence, this is a chance maybe to say, look, just get out there, Balotelli, get out there. If he puts in three against Bournemouth. You yeah. know, all of a sudden, it's it's just like turning around in fortunes. And Brendan Rodgers, regardless of the fact that it's in a League Cup against lower opposition, he's under big pressure at the moment. And he, mm. he doesn't. The, the last thing he needs is another defeat. Yeah. Uh, Derby against Chelsea is another quarter final. That's on Tuesday night at the iPro. They lost two 0 at Middlesbrough at the weekend. 
They yeah. probably got slightly less chance. I watched most think. of that game, and they weren't very good. No, Middlesbrough weren't much better than them. Last four in the last eight. Derby. Yeah. Just, I think they've won the other four. So well, this is exactly eight. what I was saying a few weeks ago when when you asked me whether they look like champions, you know, Premier League yeah. team in waiting, and they are undoubtedly one of the best sides in the Championship. They've got real good quality throughout their squad, but they're as prone to an off day as anyone else in in this division. And uh, going against Chelsea, a team who you just looking it show is is perfect evidence of what you're dealing with when their third striker will be you know Drogba or Remy probably mm. will play against them. You scored another goal, didn't you, for Middlesbrough in that game? I did. I won the penalty on target. Um, Blackburn, Leeds, and Forest have all given transfer embargoes today for breaching FFP rules on the day we record. Surprised that like Bolton and a couple more clubs have managed to get away with that. Mm. Um, but three of them in trouble. So it looks like they won't be able to buy players in January. Yes, but it'll not be till the end of the potentially season. lifted in in June. Okay, yeah. Which um, um, which is a, you know a real blow. Uh, six wins and seven for Brentford. They beat Blackburn. Uh, it's Brentford, Derby, and Ipswich in the playoff spots and. Watford mm. um, who uh, won against Wigan at the weekend and the previous week you went to the cottage for the Fulham game on a Friday that night that must have been the dream away day 5 nil oh, victory perfect dream away day wasn't too far away night game and a perfect performance to, to round it off I mean Alman Abdi's goal what yeah, a goal that was, was astonishing and that's underlines how important he is Alman Abdi as much as people focus on Deeney and people, a lot of people focusing on on Anya because he plays well for Scotland, he hasn't actually played that well for Watford for about a year now, really consistently. And Vidra, for me, the most important cog in that wheel is Alman Abdi. He was injured for the majority of last season, and that was, you know, he just provides that link, you know, gets the ball, makes little runs, and he can just make just little five yard pass, like he did to Vidra, who then went and won the penalty. Keeper gets sent off, changes the game completely, even though we were on top already. He's just got that extra bit of quality to provide that pass, or indeed to score goals. He's he scored a lot of crucial goals in that season uh, that we nearly went up under Zola. He's an excellent player, and if he's Fit and he's playing well. Generally speaking, we do well. Good stuff from Watford at the minute. Um, good stuff from uh, Norwich beating Huddersfield 5 0 and Birmingham 6 1 win against Reading. Four wins in seven for Gary Rower, and it was the last game in charge of the Royals. Hat trick for the youngster, Damari Gray. Damari Gray, yeah. Uh, 18 years old. Last game in charge for the Royals for uh, Nigel Atkins, yeah. who's been sacked today. Um, I'm not surprised, really. Yeah, they're, they're having a bit of a shocker. And I, I was speaking to Rob from the Two Unfortunates on Twitter about, and kind of asking him how. How the mood was in at Majeski, and it was. By the way, can I just say we're going to get Rob on today, but he's in New York, yeah. which, as far as excuses go, is a pretty damn good one. Mm. And um, he, he said that it, you know wasn't great, really. Although the one, the only real positive to take from from the season so far was the fact that a lot of youngsters have been brought into the team. Some of them look promising. Although one youngster in particular, I'd love to know how he's performed for the other games he's played. I don't think he's played that many games. Uh, this season in the league but Jake Cooper who played centre-back on Saturday against Birmingham watching the highlights back he had a shocker completely looked, you know, nowhere near it got turned inside out failed to clear the ball when it was there failed to win a header for that looping free kick at the end uh, and I suppose that's, that can happen when you're a 19 year old and centre-back playing playing in a championship it's as much as it, I would say possibly more than any other position on the pitch maybe goalkeeper the exception is one that is most affected by lack of confidence. If you just have that slight hesitation at not winning that ball in the air, not clearing it, not making the challenge, you know, and you suddenly look like look what happened uh, to Man United the other day when Paddy McNair was subbed after half an yeah. hour. You know, it, or, it, if you if you if your head's gone at centre back, you're in big big trouble. What was that uh, tweet from Nigel Adkins you were showing me in the pub <laughs> before we came into record? Well, well, Nigel Adkins is as we mentioned a few weeks ago on Twitter. Uh, he's already he got some interesting messages after the six one. Yeah, I'm sure he did. Um, but he's already tweeted since being relieved of his job. Thank you to 
everyone for your support in my time at Reading FC, especially Andy Crosby and Dean Wilkins. That's not the one I'm on about. Then. No, but I so, so I just scrolling down his Twitter page, having a look. He's mostly stuff from like functions that he's been going to. Kind of well done to the under twenty one team, well done to the academy team. Lovely to say, well, you know, lovely to honour our community workers at such and such event last night. But then I got down to one, which I certainly was not accept, uh, expecting. <laughs> December the fifth. Have uh, a look, everyone. It's quite um. Simple explanation. A photo opportunity with Miss Thailand at the King of Thailand's birthday celebration in London this evening. What is Nigel Adkins doing at the King of Thailand's birthday celebration? That's, uh, Nigel Adkins, who used to be the physiotherapist at Scunthorpe United, is at the King of Thailand's birthday celebration. And there he is. And behind, the, he's there proudly grinning away next to uh, the lovely Miss, Miss Thailand. And then in the background is a what appears to be a, a portrait of the King of Thailand with his hand raised up in some sort of... Um, acceptance Go of have a look. pose. It, it, yeah, it's Ridiculous. like nothing you've ever seen. I mean, uh, now he's got more time on it. Time on it. Perhaps you can pop over and visit. Absolutely. Yeah. King. Blackpool, uh, Brighton and Wigan down in the relegation zone. Brighton and Wigan having really poor seasons. Uh, Ida Good Johnson and Emil Heskey might be linking up again at Bolton, by the way. Yeah, well, Ida's back, isn't he? He, <laughs> he came, is. came, uh, came on with a half an hour to go, I think. He did. Against um, Ipswich. Um, and well, Heskey, I mean, be, <laughs> I mean, I would love to see the pair of them line up <laughs> alongside each other. I think... Uh, you know, both long past their, their best days. But, I mean, I had a good Johnson. I always remember him as a Bolton player because he played in the playoff final against Watford in 1999 at the old Wembley. And he really could have put them 2-0 up in the first half. Um, and obviously he left uh, a few years after that. And mm. the I remember rest him was history, but banging him in a couple of goals for them against us. A bit uh, of a hero in, in those parts. In the late think, 90s. Yeah. Uh, in League One, Bristol City stayed top thanks to Luke Ayling's late winner against Crawley. Four straight wins for them. And they're into the uh, Southern final of the JPT where they played Gillingham for a chance to go to Wembley. I think they've played something like five times now already this season. Oh, right. Ridiculous, yeah. Brilliant. Sean will be loving that, by the mm. way. They get to Wembley. Um, you'll probably end up, end up going, I dare say. <laughs> um, uh, Swindon in second, though, pushing them all the way. One point behind five straight wins and a little bit similar to last season you know when you had the, the sort of four big teams who all got like 80-90 points yeah. it looks like you've got Bristol City Swindon MK Dons and Preston sort of pulling away from the pack so it looks like it could be a little bit of a similar thing this season yeah Sheffield United only four points back though that could turn that's, that's one result away from being one point well they're playing Southampton Sheffield United in the League Cup this week mm. so that's another chance of an upset maybe a good, good chance for them to get through one uh, League One team I did want to mention a Chesterfield mm. Um, because, I thought you would. <laughs> because they um, did they lose home to Bradford? I think they did. Billy Clark with an amazing goal in that game. Uh, but they've just been told they, get, they need to replay their game MK Dons in the FA Cup uh, second round with a chance to get into the third round because they fielded an ineligible player. Now, I don't know if you remember. I'm sure you do. A few years ago, Berry, we did the same thing at Hart... No, uh, yeah, away at Hartlepool, I think it was. If I'm, I might be wrong on that. And um, and we had a, a plum tie lined up against Ipswich at home in the third round. And we got booted out just because it was like an admin error. It's like some facts didn't come through on time. It wasn't like, we, you know, he, he was cup-tied or anything. And yet they get to replay the game. Mm. How does that work? How does it work? You need to ask the FA. It seems very strange. Um, but Chesterfield are actually disappointed with it. They think they should be allowed to go through because they... Chief Exec Chris Turner saying that they have full support from Wolves and from, from MK Dons, but the FA didn't see it that way. They didn't try and deceive anyone, they say. They felt they provided a um, you know, professional, handled it in a professional manner. And obviously the FA disagrees and they, they're going to get the chance to, to reside it for hours. And like, like you said, I'd shut up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Win the game because, you know, Barry like, and other teams have been yeah. kicked out. Um, four, uh, uh, four wins in six for Walsall. They're just four points outside the playoff places. Jordan Cook with a great goal against Barnes. So a rare mention, I think, for Walsall hmm. on the podcast. And of course, it was Father V Son at Boundary Park. Uh, Lee Johnson nil, Gary Johnson four. Although Yeovil have got a, a rather bigger game coming up against Accrington in the That's FA Cup big replay. Win. Manchester United awaiting the winners of that 
and down in the drop zone, Crew Colchester, and uh, who else you've got down there? Leighton Orient. You have got another new another manager. manager. Um, they've got uh, who's there? In, uh, Fabio Liverani is their new boss, replacing Maro, Maro Milanese. They lost to Peterborough at the weekend. They've got like Joby Mackinoff and uh, Darius Henderson, and quite a few good players in that squad. And it's all gone to uh, to pieces this season. Yeah, I think Liverani was what was the first, or if not certainly one of the very first uh, black players to play for Italy. He was an Italian international right. during his career. You might remember the name. They've nearly had as but, many managers as you this season. Yeah, well, the same, isn't it? Is it? Four. Yeah, four. Um, four yeah. Again, I mean, it's a very similar situation, perhaps. I, I don't know as much about, I don't know hardly anything really about the owners at, at Leighton Orient and whether they're as good as, as the ones we've got. But the same eyebrows will be raised by the same <laughs> yeah. people, really, when looking at this situation. Uh, League 2, Wickham still top. They won 4-1 against Southend. Some great goals in that game. Did you see Phil Brown's flat cap? He was wearing after the game. I've like seen some, him wear it a number of times. Last time, summer wide. Ridiculous. Uh, Burton in second. They beat Hartlepool four 0 Hartlepool sacked Paul Murray after they lost to Blythe Spartans. He's only been in the job for a, know, how many weeks? About a month week. or so, isn't it? Uh, you can only see it going one way, one way for them at the minute. They're uh, right at the bottom of the league. They're six points from safety. No manager out with a cup or Stelling. <laughs> yeah, Caught, it's time for the call for Stelling. <laughs> Get him in. Get Jeff the monkey is his assistant. Yes, Jeff Stelling. Uh, Shrewsbury third, Luton, Newport. They've only lost one in seventeen. Wow, an extra nine games unbeaten in the playoffs. Plymouth two. They won three two at Northampton. Um, sorry if we're brushing over all this. I need to tell you about my terrible away away day on Saturday. I went to watch Bury at Oxford. What were we saying about covering all seventy two teams? Yeah, I know exactly. We're on a shocking run, terrible run. What was, has happened, mate? Oh, it's, it's all. Because you were looking great at the start of the season. Oh. Great, you know, good squad assembled, loving Flitcroft. Everything's going fine. He's, he's tried to. We had a one. We had a shock when I was in Japan. We had a shocking five nil defeat at Shrewsbury and that well, like, teach you from going to, going to Japan <laughs> well yeah it's my fault um, and then I think he just panicked after that and he just kept changing the team as I mentioned the goalkeeper issue he, he's brought in so many lone players uh, there's no kind of you don't know who's going to be playing from one week to the next there's definitely some passengers being carried in midfield at the minute in particular um, yeah we're just an absolute shadow of the side that we were a few months ago um, and I was hungover it was freezing cold I was on like multiple trains because I, I bought the cheap ticket I had to sit at Didcot Parkway in the cold for an hour got to Oxford then it's the ground's miles away from the train station I had to sit on a bus which was crawling through Oxford got to the ground a lovely part of the world though, well, Oxford, it, to it? be fair it is beautiful see uh, we scored went 1-0 up that was a really good goal and then we conceded a stupid own goal and then in injury time it was our corner it got cleared Jim McNulty tried to instead of just hoofing it back into the box there's a time and a place it needs to go in the box then he decides to play a pass to the left wing to try and get another attack going from there it gets intercepted they break cross it in nod it home through the keeper's legs 2-1 defeat was it your end that they scored my end well, I was at Absolutely dreadful. And then, uh, what was the reaction? Give me a flavour of the reaction from around you <laughs> when that went. A lot of people leaving, basically, and booing. Choice um, language, I imagine. Choice language. Well. Yeah, I uh, called my mate, uh, who sort of proceeded to rant. He wasn't even there. Proceeded to rant at me for about half an hour about how things have fallen apart. Then I sort of said, mate, I need to get a taxi back to the station here. My train's in like 20 minutes. I have to go, sorry. And he was still mid-ramp when I put the phone down. Hmm. Um, and then got back, yes. Yeah, so just a terrible, terrible away day. And I think he's got two games to save his job, basically. points outside the playoffs now. Yeah, he's got two games to save his job, I think. He's got the... And you were going, you know, top three, I suppose, was, was really the aim, which <laughs> oh, is now, yeah. which is seven points off. Oh, dear. Football A, why do we do it to ourselves? Uh, down at the bottom of the table, it could be worse. Uh, we've got uh, Carlisle back in the bottom two alongside Hartlepool and the brilliantly named Max Power scored a blinder for Tranmere as they won 1-0 away at Dagenham. Um, right, what else have we got? So, audible.co.uk slash going up is where you need to go for a free audiobook in the run-up to Christmas. You've been looking at the Amazon chart. Yeah, I have. Well, these are, if you want to go to Audible uh, and get your free audiobook, 
These are some of the most popular football audiobooks on, on audible.co.uk. So, top of the list, the second half, unabridged, Roy Keane, Good. covered before. Yeah. Next, Alex Ferguson, my autobiography. Then you've got Harry Redknapp, a man walks onto a pitch. Which is his Terrible new, name for a is, book. Which is his new book. It's kind of just Harry Redknapp's thoughts on, on football. It's dreadful. Which we, we all know, really. It's run about a bit. Um, <laughs> uh, and then you've got Neil Warnock, the gaffer, the trials and tribulations of a football manager. Now, he voices this one himself, and yes. it, uh, it, it's, wor- it's worth a listen just for <laughs> that wonderful Yorkshire accent. Uh, and I don't know whether this man or, or, um, reads his own one, but I hope he does. Luis Suarez crossing the line. <laughs> Does Friend he? of the show. I hope he does. We've met him. Um, um, you know what I'm going to do as well? Just going to do, do? take a random page. Like okay. let's, sometimes hidden gems are hidden, you know, buried down in the eighth, the eighth page because you can't, you can't really trust people and their and their choices, can you? Right. Um, well, this one looks interested. <laughs> uh, on it's the, not Nigel Atkins with the, no, the Miss Thailand again. On is the it? fourth page, football. I'm going to actually, I need to click on this one specifically to see what it's about because it looks ludicrous. It's a book by Des Burke. It's called Seduced by the Football Player, and on the cover is a, uh, an attractive young lady sort of nestling up. It is. To, it is Nigel Atkins and Miss Thailand to a bronzed to a bronzed torso. I think this might be a work of fiction. Yes. Warning. <laughs> product description. Yeah. Warning. This story contains a steamy romance between a young <laughs> black woman and a smoking hot white football player and seems too passionate for some readers to handle <laughs> well there you go amazing if ever there was a reason to sign up for a free audio but we've just given you yeah. audible.co.uk slash going up uh, you can get a completely free audio book and then you can cancel before the uh, the free trial ends at the end of the month so get on that also Paddy Power uh, you can sign up get a free um, I think it's a free 20 quid bet if you bet a fiver uh, brand new accounts now basically um, slight problem I think I was giving you the wrong URL for you this you were giving us the wrong thing I think so oh, Yeah, we, we, we've, we've had a bit of an issue with it so basically the best bet everyone is to go to wearegoingup.co.uk and then on the banner on the top just click on that it'll take you there sign up for that offer there Sorted. And the final thing that you can get involved in is the football pools, which is a brand new thing. Um, all you need to do... Is that still a thing? <laughs> it's still a thing. I remember my dad used to do that, you go along to, with Spot the Ball. You go to wearegoingup.co.uk, <laughs> go down to the bottom of the page and click on uh, football pools. Uh, the first one's completely free. Uh, you uh, can cancel the first one for all that kind of thing. Um, and you can win an absolute fortune. I think someone won 50 grand on that. Yeah, Mr. Thompson from Leeds won 50k on it last week. So if you like a little grand. flutter on the, on the, on the pool, Go to our website for that. We are going up.co.uk. There you go. Some Christmas treats from us to you. Now, next week, um, we are going to be bringing out a show on, I believe, Monday, the final show before Christmas. But this is something slightly different. We're not going to tell you what it is yet, but um, it's been a couple of months in the in the making, this, mm-hmm. and we've been sort of hinting at something we've been doing off air for the last couple of months. We really hope you enjoy it. It's going to be out on Monday next week. Sorry, you look like you are going to say something then. No. Don't give anything away. No, I won't. My lips um, are sealed. It's slightly different to uh, everything we've done before, but we really, really hope you enjoy it. And it's nicely timed, just ahead of Christmas as well. All will be revealed next Monday on the 22nd of December. The Twitter is at Wagyu Podcast. Uh, the Facebook is facebook.com slash Wagyu Podcast. We've got Instagram. We've got the website. We've got everything. Merry Christmas. DC, thank you. We will speak to you next week with this uh, rather special edition of We Are Going Up. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. (laughs) 
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.